Welcome to the practical podcast for technical people who want to start their own company. From founding to building your business, we're here to help. I'm Sean Hemel. And I'm Harris Kenny. This is the Hello Blink Show. Welcome, welcome. We have two fun guests with us today. We have Christine and Dom joining us from Twilio to talk about developer relations, developer advocacy, and developer evangelism. Are they the same? Are they not the same? What do they mean? And how can you use them to keep people engaged and grow a community? Twilio is really good at this. So I'm excited to talk to these two about that. But before we do, Dom, you we're telling me before the show something about facts. I, I have to ask this thing. We were talking about facts, like FAQs. No, FAX, like 1980s facts. <laughs> right. Well, so like if, you, if you're unfamiliar with Twilio, we're in the communication space. So we provide a bunch of APIs around communications and we've had telephone APIs uh, and uh, SMS APIs since 2008 and nine. Um, but in 2017, uh, we added, you know, the most modern technology uh, that you can imagine, which is fax. So we provided an API that allows you to send fax uh, over, the, uh, over the internet. You know, like I don't have a fax machine. I was able to use that API to do a post request to send it out over the internet. Um, and as part of that, you know, working in DevRel, we constantly try to find good ways to engage with a community uh, and do things around the products that we have. So, you know, what do you do with facts? Uh, we came up with two things that I personally thought were hilarious. On the one hand, one of my colleagues did a 24-hour live stream of a fax machine that people could fax pictures to, um, which was hilarious because, uh, you know, it takes a long time to print a fax. So he actually didn't have to do content moderation other than, Every time a fax would come in, he also got a text message through Twilio and would run down to his uh, fax machine and watch the picture coming out so that he could rip it out in the worst case if it was something inappropriate. Um, <laughs> oh, that is the, amazing. But the thing that absolutely stole the show for me is uh, what some of my colleagues had to do, uh, which was our CEO, Jeff Lawson, had this great idea of uh, every year we announce some community heroes at our big keynote. Um, and we used to print these giant banners of the picture of the faces of those community heroes. And um, the year we launched Facts, his idea was that we wanted to print giant banners out of fax machines. So we had four community heroes, which meant that we had 20 fax machines lined oh up on a keynote stage. Our CEO came out on stage. It was like completely dark with one spotlight on his laptop. He opened a terminal and started writing Python code to send out faxes to all of those 20 machines. And they had to be thermal fax machines so they could print out like continuous banners as opposed right. to, you know, US letter sheets. Um, <laughs> but the problem was that we had to encounter, like, consider that there were thermal fax machines and they might fail because they heat up and they're not made to, uh, you know, print se several feet of paper at once. So one of my colleagues, I think it was his like first or second week um, in his job, 
got the job from my colleagues to whenever he would get a number on Slack, he had to grab that roll of backup facts that we had printed, run on stage and tape it onto the respective fax machine. It was hilarious <laughs> because we didn't tell our CEO about this. Um, so he was slightly confused that a, uh, like that an employee he had never met before ran on stage, taped a giant piece of paper on a fax machine and ran off. Um, but that like ever since I had like a, you know, a deep connection with facts, I could talk about it forever. Um, but like, I, th- I always think that's a, that's a great story. You know, the reason why I really love this story is it covers so many of the things that I appreciate about Twilio developer relations. And I mean, developer relations in general, but, you know, Twilio is very much a developer company. It's around APIs. It's very much thinking about accessibility. How do we take these different communications tools and make them fun for developers, easy for developers to use? How do you create builds that are interesting and funny and inspiring? How do you show the power of a platform while not uh, not making it feel inaccessible? You know, like these are all really hard questions. And uh, Twilio has been addressing and handling these questions via developer relations since really the inception of the company. You know, it, it, there's a really long history where uh, sort of the, the product development and the developer have been so close for Twilio since these early days of you can just uh, make a phone call or send a text message using uh, these developer tools. So it's been it's been really cool that the journey has spanned so long <laughs> through many different product suites, including but not limited to facts, but that, you know, these sort of amazing, weird, fun things that that happen are ultimately related uh, at a baseline, despite seeming some at times very silly, they are related to uh, to many of the principles that are, I think, inherent to good developer relations. So let me ask you this: When does a company need developer relationship or uh, developer relations? Because you mentioned that it's good to connect with your developers, create a community. I think a lot of people understand the importance of that especially when it comes to a B2B or business-to-business type of company that Twilio definitely is. You're, you're making API and, and functions so people can you know, write scripts and text people or I guess fax them now, which is super cool. But at what point like, does a small company need to start caring about developer relations like beyond just simple marketing? I think it depends on the one hand on your product, but also on... Uh, what you want to get out of it. So like I, every company has DevRel for different reasons. Uh, at the On the Twilio side, it definitely started more on the marketing side. Um, and I think you like one thing that's interesting is you mentioned um, the fact that, you know, Twilio is very B2B. Um, but the but the the fun thing about Twilio and where evangelism was really successful for us was the fact that people can use Twilio outside of the business environment to build things, to be creative, to explore the API. And it's magical because it, you know, lights up your phone or connects you with friends. And uh, I think the fact that we had DevRel at an early stage and the re- the way that we did it, which it was, we didn't try to create a Twilio community. We went into existing communities uh, as Twilions to promote what we can do with Twilio. And that just sparked so much creativity from the community. Like we have 
uh, you know, everything from people planning their weddings using Twilio to, um, like, I I know Christine built like a sourdough tracker, um, sourdough starter tracker using Twilio. And like, there's so many different things you can do with it outside of the business. And then the fun part is, and the thing that has shown to be beneficial for us as well is once people are familiar with it, they bring it into their job, right? Like if you, if they have to send an SMS at work, they're already familiar with Twilio because they played around with it at a hackathon or on their side project or they read a blog post about it. So I think as long as you have a, like, if DevRel, in my opinion, is the strongest if you have a self-serve opportunity. If you can't provide developers with a way to, like, get around your product on their own, DevRel becomes less useful, in my opinion. So that's kind of like a baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Christine, what do you think? Oh, I mean, I think if you if if you are wondering if you need developer relations, first you should wonder what the position of developers is to your company, for sure. Um, I think that, you know, what Dom is saying is absolutely right. You know, I think that there is a lot of principles of thinking about things that might be B2B, but also understanding that businesses are made of individuals. And, and that is one strategy of developer relations. I think a lot of people I've talked to about DevRel have thought of it in in different different ways. Like some people think of DevRel as, as, you know, just doing documentation. Some people think of DevRel as just doing community outreach, um, like just going to events or just talking to developers. Some people lump support in with DevRel. There's like a lot of different approaches and thoughts. Um, but, you know, at, at the end, it is often and, and always about just connecting with developers and, and understanding specifics about what is your community and what do you need uh, before I think you, you think about DevRel and, and how you're establishing it. So Christine, I want to ask you about how a smaller business, an entrepreneur who's doing, you know, their own company could, what they can learn from Twilio in a second. But before we get to that, I think, you know, you've talked about how this is about a lot more than code, that there's different mindset and other challenges about, you know, so what it means to be a developer, how to engage with those communities and how to speak to them in different ways. Uh, can you, can you talk about how Twilio reaches out to those people uh, you know, assuming that a company does need developer relations and that developers are going to be important for them, you know, how does Twilio do that to kind of meet people where they're at instead of saying like, this is what a developer is and this is what a developer needs to know. And if this isn't you, then you shouldn't, you know, be at this conference or you shouldn't follow us on Twitter or whatever. How, do, how does Twilio meet people where they're at? The thing at? that really strikes me about Twilio's developer relations particularly, and you know, I've been through a couple of developer companies and, and, talk to a lot of developers. And I think at, at Twilio, the thing that's unique about the DevRel team is that it's not a team that thinks that they have all the answers. You know, and I think that that's deeply important. I think when you're approaching communities, you can't, you need to understand what you're doing and how you go about talking to people, but you can't assume that you know everything about the people or you know exactly what they want. You know, it's it's very much about listening and understanding and ensuring that if you are interested in accessing a community or making content for that community, that you are either like very much listening to members of that community and very much, you know, discussing things with them, um, or that you have members of that community who work on your team. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, I think Twilio strikes a pretty good balance with that, but I'd actually, uh, I I'm curious what Dom thinks about this. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I was going to second that. I think one of the things that was always important for us is everyone on our team 
is a developer. Like all of us know how to write code. We um, are all part of a community. Like that doesn't mean, you know, we're, when we start at Twilio, we're super well known in the community and have like 100,000 followers. Uh, it's more the part, we are part of a community and that's the community that we take care of. Meaning if I'm thinking about what do we do for, you know, the JavaScript community, I'll think of that because I'm a JavaScript developer. I'm not going to make the decision on what we should do for the Java community um, because that's not my community. And that means, yes, me as an individual is going to reach less people, but like I'll be more authentic with these people because I can speak literally the same language as them. Yeah, that makes total sense. And something that was mentioned earlier is that you all meet people where they are. You all meet the developers who are your customers where they are. What's that process look like? How do you find them? Like, like, do you just scour the internet and look for like IRC channels? Like, like what do you do? Oh, there's a couple of different things. So one thing that we did at the early days of Twilio was um, people were part of their local communities, meaning, uh, you know, for example, I was based in Berlin and I would take care of the German community and specifically the Berlin community, which means I would go to a lot of local developer meetups, which, you know, right now are a bit harder to attend, even though there are still some virtual ones that are great to attend. But I would go to these events and I would just hang around there. I would interact with people. I wouldn't always talk about Twilio. I would occasionally sponsor the meetup, but I would just be there all the time so that even if I sponsored in May and I would be there in August, people would still know, hey, that's Dom. Like Dom is always here. Dom knows Twilio. If I ever have a problem with Twilio, I'll go to Dom and ask him uh, what to do. And that is really the part where it goes back to you taking care of the community you're part of. Where do you go, right? Like if you're if you're primarily consuming your information through Reddit and you're super active there, then that's the first place to start. But also just going to your local meetups, figuring out what's the technology you're interested in and just hanging out there, just chatting with people, drinking a beer, eating a slice of pizza or whatever you can get at the meetup uh, is, uh, you know, always a great, great start. So boots on the ground is really important then, like having people out there in the community, but preferably in person, because I remember Twilio from hackathons. I think I still have a few stickers from those hackathons. Um, So it seems like that's what you're saying, like be there in person, just meld with the people. Yes, but be consistent. Like don't there one one common theme that I see, especially in early DevRel programs where you might not have a lot of people on your team. So you try to be everywhere. And that's not actually the right strategy in a lot of cases, because if you only see me once briefly at a booth, you won't remember me and you won't have a connection with me. But if you see me every week or every month at a specific meetup, like, you know, I'll be there at least in like the next one or two meetups. And I think that's the powerful part because it creates more of a connection uh, and it also burns your burns your DevRel team out less because nobody wants to fly from you know the U.S. to India for a conference and then back to Europe and then to Latin America, for example. Like that that just burns out people and like it just means that you have people on your team for a year. Another note about the consistency uh, aspect, you know, I think that's something that translates 
not just for in-person, but for online uh, presence as well. You know, you want people to know broadly who you are and what you're about. And, you know, in, in the thoughts about, you know, what size of company does this matter? You know, it, it's very, this is, this is important starting at very early stages of companies. I would say in terms of sculpting, what is it, how is it that you want to appear in the developer community? How, what is your company's value uh, to developers? Um, how do you want developers to see you? You know, Twilio very much has a, uh, reputation in the developer community of of being kind of like helpful and fun, <laughs> I think. You know, and and this is something where uh, it's very intentional, and and that going that's that is part of the consistency of appearing at events and building those relationships. It's part of the consistency of going out online and streaming and um, and having social presence. Like all of these things feed back into uh, the the general. Um, the general view of of what is Twilio uh, when you when when a developer pictures Twilio in in their minds, um, and and that that is that's that can be very tricky as a company scales, I think, um, and it can be very tricky early on in a company as well. So quality over quantity, consistency. Uh, I think those are two really really big ones. I, the point about trying to be everywhere, I think I've definitely seen smaller companies try to do that where they'll sort of try a bunch of different sort of random things. And I think picking which communities is really important. I think especially now, whether it's, you know, Slack groups or Reddit or Twitter or whatever, I think it is really important to pick the one that makes sense for where your customers are. You know, like I've noticed that like, you know, your customers, they may not be on Instagram or something like that. Like, you know, but if you're a hardware company and you make like a test engineering tool, like, do you need to be on Instagram? Maybe, maybe not. I think like a bigger company like Twilio probably is everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Twilio has an Instagram account. If you do, I'm sure it's good. I actually don't have Instagram, but, uh, but you know, you don't have to be everywhere in all these different platforms because you just don't have the juice for it. But first let's talk about our new sponsor, which is Twilio. Sean, they've got an Earth Day challenge. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, in the efforts of helping inspire people to create cool projects to protect the environment and protect this planet we live on, Twilio is sponsoring this Earth Day Challenge where they will give up to $500 in credit towards these projects. And what you have to do is come up with a concept using some type of technology, ideally using Twilio, and submit it to their application process, and they will pick winners starting in May. Also, for every project that's submitted, Twilio is donating to the Institute for Environmental Solutions. Submissions for this are due at the end of Friday, April 30th, so get your ideas in. To learn more, go to twil.io slash hello blink. Let's get back to the show. You have your own event, but outside of your event, how do you pick the channels where you want to really prioritize and focus? I would say pick a channel that you can be authentic in. Um, you know, so this goes back to the early day of like hiring the right person for your team. Like if you're, you know, you don't want to hire me for your hardware startup because as much as I like tinkering around with hardware and we can talk about some fun stuff I build, but like the, I'm not a hardware developer. It's not my like expertise. And that means I will have to do a lot of research to find the communities and then 
be natural in those communities. So instead, find people who already fit your target audience um, and then follow their guidance as opposed to, you know, deciding this, like, you know, hiring someone who you saw has a lot of visibility overall in the developer community, but might not have an insight into your specific audience that you're trying to target. That's a really good point about finding people who already fit in those communities, whether that's, you know, hiring contractors as influencers. Um, I remember SparkFun had a thing like that and a few companies did, right? You would like contract with people to like write content for those communities. That's one way Or if you hire somebody internally, make sure that they either already are part of something or that they can easily integrate with, you know, if they have a good Twitter presence, like, great, you're now going to be tweeting about Twilio, um, but because you already have a bunch of followers, like, that seems to be a really good method than just seeing what works or kind of this passive DevRel that I've seen where what we were talking about earlier, where it's just fly around to events, give some talks, and maybe host a forum and pray that people moderate it, like who are not part of your company without like actual proactive let's figure out where the people are, who our customers are. And like DevRel should fit into your marketing pipeline. It really should. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, yeah, it's really interesting. I think, you know, part of, part of this that, that I feel like we're drilling down to is very much that developer relations is about people and developer community is about people. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's really easy for this to get people sometimes ask me like, okay, so is DevRel marketing? Do you work in marketing? Um, and it's, it's very tricky for us as people, again, anybody who's who's listening to this who's in DevRel is going to be laughing right now because it's very tricky to address it because there are elements of marketing, but marketing to developers is different because developers simply will not be fooled by a hard sell or by a product um, missing the mark or by documentation being poor. You know, like uh, developers will tell you broadly, like when something doesn't work, like the the idea of marketing standing on its own for developer products, you know, without an understanding of the community, the problems that they encounter, um, the, the sort of needs that they have, the way that they experience your brand and your product and everything else. Like I think even more so than many other fields, you know, it's, it's difficult to go out with only marketing when trying to find product market fit with the developer thing. Um, so, I mean, DevRel becomes really crucial in, in that respect. Um, and, and hitting the, the right chords in those communities is very much about understanding that communities are made of people <laughs> and not addressing communities via giant metrics or this giant aspect of like, well, you know, we're going to, this is our market, capital M market. So that begs the question, what do you do? How do you create an experience that you know developers are going to love? How do you engage with that? I mean, first of all, think about what you like. Uh, you know, like if, if you are ultimately a developer and like this goes again back to authenticity right like don't try to fake something that you're not comfortable with yourself just because you found found it to you know have been exciting from like another company because they were doing the same thing like be authentic to yourself and that kind of gets to all of the things that you know the the odd executions we are doing right it's like it's because we often question, ask ourselves, like, what do we find interesting, right? I think one of the th one of the activities that stood out uh, for me 
was um if you, I'm not familiar, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the band OK Go, um, but they were part of uh, they were playing in our conference and we wanted to do something with them. And what you might not know is one of the members of the community is a developer, one of the ba- uh, band members. Um, and so we actually, <laughs> we actually hosted a hackathon with them to figure out what we should do. Uh, and so some of my colleagues ended up building this really cool execution with OK Go where they would play a song with uh, bells, but all of the bells were smartphones that had a web app that had like an accelerometer. So if they would like shake the phone, it would make a sound, but the sound wouldn't come out of that phone. It would come out of the phones of the audience via Twilio. What? Um, (laughs) And every phone was assigned one particular bell. So everyone had to turn their speakers on and make it real loud. And we could probably put the, put the video on the page for, um, as part of the show notes, but uh, it's super amazing, but it was super entertaining as well. And it came purely based on, you know, being authentic. We weren't like coming up with like, what's the, you know, most ridiculous thing we can come up with. We came up with it because we were talking with the others and we thought about what would we think is cool um, and kind of went with that. Yeah. That's, um, that makes so much sense to me. Um, every time we talk about this, I, I love these stories because, you know, I feel like we're dancing around t- uh, one of the the things here that's an essential design thing that I've heard a lot. You know, I was having this, um, I was at a conference where uh, a cool designer and journalist named Umbreen Bhatti was giving a talk and she um, was giving advice to the people uh, who were about to kind of do this 24 hour makeathon. And she was like, okay, you have 24 hours. So, you know, what you want to do is uh, when you have a short timeline um, or, it's, or if it's urgent, it's better if you are the audience. So, you know, because you can get to correct faster with design if you know, like, if the instincts and everything are around you. Um, you know, if you don't, if you're not the audience, and like, really, even if you are, um, you, you need to focus on who the audience is, get a really good understanding, do a lot of interviewing, do a lot of research, <laughs> like really get to the right thing. And, you know, I think when we talk about authenticity, um, you know, part of it is that in, in the same way that really good design for others is authentic, um, even if you're not in that community, you know, like really good DevRel uh, for a community is authentic. And a lot of times you get there because you're a member of that community, because this is a thing that you also think is funny, that you also think is great, that you also think is interesting. Um you know, and, and if, if you're not a member of that community, it's because you really listened and you really researched and you put the decision-making power in the hands of people in that community, or, you know, you elevated people in that community who were able to be authentic and, and, um, able to design things that were great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's related. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I have to ask, DevRel kind of exists in this maybe marketing world that you were talking about, right? Like you have to be authentic, you have to be a developer. It's possibly marketing, but we know that the idea is to get signups, right? Or or purchases. Ultimately, you want to generate customers. So how do you measure success in the dev world, DevRel world? Is it just number of signups? Because I, I, like Twilio, you can go to an event and you can say, hey, we're going to teach this thing. You can build this thing on the hackathon based on a Twilio thing. I mean, like, oh, these number of people sign up and then they became customers. Like you can measure that. But what about for DevRel in general? Like, can you measure it if you, if you like are part of this community? How, like, 
how do you know that DevRel is working? I think if you have a hard time measuring your DevRel team, that's a good thing. Um, and that might be very contentious, <laughs> but like, well, I'll, I'll explain a bit more, right? Like the, I think, yes, you know, it's about uh, generating signups long-term, but like, a lot of it is still long-term plays. Like you, if you're looking at a hackathon, right, and you're attending a hackathon, yes, you will see a spike in signups, but not all of them are going to convert into customers because I used to run a lot of hackathons. I used to attend a lot of hackathons and most of the code I wrote, I never touched again after the hackathon. So it doesn't <laughs> immediately generate a customer, right? And we used to go and we still go to a lot of student hackathons um, and those are long-term plays. Like they're not going to show today the like success of like, oh, I generated $200,000 in revenue because I went to this hackathon. Um, but it means that those students will eventually work at a business and be familiar with your product already. And that means they can talk more. Uh, they can bring it into the company later on. Um, and then similarly, the other part why I think it's hard and like there's a lot of different thoughts around DevRel measurement. And I think no company has ultimately figured this out. Um, for some things, in order to be authentic, you cannot focus too much on your measurements. So, for example, at Twilio, you won't see us regularly scan badges at conferences um, because we only do that when we can provide value to you because we are developers and we don't like if you just spam us. Therefore, we don't want to spam you. Um, Thank you. And so, but like that comes with a price, right? That means that we can't do the classic marketing lead generation um, of telling you that like I met you at this conference and then later you became a paying customer. Um, and so that goes back to why do you want DevRel in the first place? Is this something that you're struggling with self-serve signups today and you want to spike that today, then your strategy and what you're measuring is different to you truly believe in the power of developers and you want to build a long-term ecosystem, then your strategies are different and you're going to measure different things, right? You measure like what's the traffic, for example, that you're generating, what's the overall awareness, Where how, how do signups long-term trail, but you can't, at that point, you can't pin it anymore to an individual event, for example. This reminds me of the Toyo CEO, Jeff Lawson's book about, you know, ask your developer and this whole idea of, you know, this is like very bottom up, right? I mean, this is like pretty grassroots. And so I think if you're an entrepreneur, what does your equivalent look like? I think maybe, you know, maybe you have like a forum for your product, or maybe you're just like very responsive on GitHub to issue tickets and things like that. Understanding that, if there's a, if you're a technical founder and this show is generally for technical founders, um, the chances are that higher up the chain, the quote unquote decision makers are literally not going to understand the problem that your product solves. And so if you can inform and engage the person who does understand it, chances are pretty good that they'll recommend your widget. And if you have avenues for them to talk to you, and if you have avenues where you go hang out with them, then it's like it sounds like it's sort of that over time that compounds and that it seems like i mean twilio is doing pretty well it's a publicly traded company uh acquired sendgrid which is really powerful and which i've used before uh, i'm actually using for assassin i've had a really great experience with it so anyway it's obviously it's working for twilio it's, it's so that seems to me to be some takeaways that an individual person can take 
Uh, do you agree with that? Disagree? Is there anything, any other thoughts, um, it, it, you know, that core point? I absolutely agree with that. And I, th- I think the, the one thing that just popped into my head on, on the metrics thing also is like, just because measuring is hard doesn't mean you shouldn't measure, but like you will probably not have one metric of truth. Like we measure a lot of things and it's important because in DevRel, again, like a lot of things are long-term and so it's hard for you to take a look at what's successful and what's working. And so the more like you measure what you're doing, the easier it is to see the like like the success that you're having as a job, which means that you retain your DevRel team longer because it you ultimately still need to create some sort of like success yeah. for them. And, you know, DevRel sitting kind of between marketing and product means that in some ways, if you are running a DevRel org, you have a giant list of potential metrics to choose from. And, you know, as Dom was saying, it's very important as you select what you are trying to drive, if like that's kind of, you know, what you're thinking about, like what is DevRel support in my organization, that you don't block your DevRel org out of its own job by choosing a metric that will reduce authenticity. Um, because that will absolutely uh, kind of, you know, kill your your developer relations efforts before they start in a lot of ways. Um, and some of the marketing metrics can put you in that position. Some of the brand metrics don't. You know, when you think about, when we think about uh, developer relations, part of this is like developer brand. And so, you know, authenticity being often a part of perception of brand and increasingly, you know, what a company does overall being a perception of brand is uh, is a component of this. But, you know, there's also a lot of other things that people like to talk about with DevRel, like um, bringing feedback to product um, or, you know, kind of having uh, having a sense of, of um, almost market research with developers or um, just getting a, a sense of what the community is thinking about about different things that the company is doing. You know, these are all extremely valuable. Yeah, and that's a good point. And I, I agree that it was, I don't want to say it's a trick question. It's just, I'm curious how things are measured because I often hear that from bosses, CEOs, whatnot, like, oh, is this a worthwhile, what's our, our oh, ROI, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And yeah, and the same thing happens for me, right? I make YouTube videos as kind of my primary gig. And they're like, well, well, what does this mean for the business? And you're like, well, I have views and I can show you number of subscribers. And they're like, well, did those turn into customers? And you're like, can't I have no connection there? I can't draw a connection that this person hit the subscribe button and then later bought something from a company that I'm making videos for. But it's it's in one effect similar. I'm trying to grow a community around this top of funnel marketing layer, um, and you all at the DevRel is probably a little farther down because you can engage one on one and show people product. Um, but it's still it's very nebulous. It's hard to measure. But I do agree that it's adding value and it's it's an important form of marketing, especially DevRel that can be very authentic. Um, I mean, you can make videos that are authentic, but DevRel like you have to be for for that to work. I think one of the things that can help you there also if you're struggling with measuring things is storytelling. So it's one medium that we've used a lot in especially in the early days at. at DevRel at Twilio, where if you're part, uh, you know, if you're close to both the community, but also your sales team, um, you can hear stories that explain what you're doing. So, you know, one of the things that we hear a lot is if, 
if a dev a developer is in a room during a sales negotiation, the chances are much higher that this will turn out well because they are often advocating on behalf of Twilio because they had a good experience with Twilio in the past. Um, and so those anecdotes can also often help kind of tell the story of what you're doing and why you're doing it, even if it doesn't immediately show you know, the ROI on that one sponsorship you did. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Sean, in, if you are having to argue about this, if you or any of the listeners have to argue about this at a large org, I think potentially one of the more magical phrases might be, you know, developer relations lowers customer acquisition cost. <laughs> But, you know, the way and the way that that is measured is very different at every company. But I think that, you know, broadly, like the the business words translation of what we're saying, I think, is roughly that. Now, how does it do it and when does it do it and how do views or other things translate into that really depends on your community and your efforts and are very specific. But, you know, ultimately. Yeah. And something that, you know, I mentioned earlier that. I saw Twilio at a bunch of hackathons back when I used to attend a few, whether attending as a contest contestant, is that what you, when you were one of the hackers, I guess, attendee, yep, or or going with SparkFun to help out and just volunteer, which was all, both were fun. Uh, the latter, I got more sleep. But I've noticed that at least in my sphere, I don't see as many hackathons, uh, pandemic notwithstanding, but even 2018, 2019, prior to pandemic, I just didn't see as many being advertised, talked about and whatnot. I know they still go on. I know there's like major league hacking that still does it pretty regularly. Schools still do it. So I am curious, is this still a major push for Twilio? Um, Do you still see hackathons as kind of your biggest bang for the buck? Or are there other activities that you think work better for DevRel in this day and age? I think... I definitely seen less, you know, corporate hackathons and stuff. Like I remember in the past companies like Braintree would, would run their like worldwide hackathon tour. Um, I think, what was it called? Um, it's like a Viking themed hackathon, a space Viking themed hackathon. <laughs> Valhalla. <laughs> um, but like the, um, I've definitely seen less of those. I'm not a hundred percent sure why, um, I think it might just be, you know, a, a shift in trends. It's still a good, like, it still has a lot of benefits. One, like we still do a lot of student hackathons. Um, and those are great, uh, for the reasons that I already mentioned earlier, but overall, I think one thing that is magical and we do these things called super classes, which is basically our, like, we don't do a, like, f- f- uh, you know, what is it called? Like a classic teaching workshop where you're standing in front of you telling everyone what code to write ours are much more choose your own adventure uh coding uh workshops and all of those whether those or hackathons are a great way not only to introduce people to your product but also to have your product teams watch how people are using them so i love taking you know, product uh, to these events so they can talk to users and understand better how they're using it, where they're struggling. It's the best user research you can do, in my opinion. So I still think they're still a, like very high on the list in terms of bang for the buck, especially if you can get your product team to it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting with hackathons because I think that, you know, 
as communities change, like wait, what, where a community is hanging out and what they are doing and what they're interested in changes over time. Um, and it's, uh, and like, I, I, I'm totally with you there, Sean. Like, you know, there was a time when I feel like there were a ton of hackathons and I don't know if it's like, if my community has changed, if I've changed, if the actual frequency of events have changed, you know, like, um, I think for me, like, I don't, like I, I think I don't hang out in the hackathon space as much, but that 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 doesn't make those not useful, and that like that for the communities where those are still widely used, like that's just um, it makes a lot of sense to show up there with people who are in that community. And you know, a really good example of this is as you mentioned the the college hackathon side. Uh, we have an awesome evangelist named Lizzie Siegel who is just gives the best five minute demonstration for. Um, like in general, but also, you know, at, at college hackathons for college audiences that just is highly empathetic, really fun, makes the, um, that particular audience that she is like so close to like really resonates with them. It's, it's amazing. That's really cool. And I'll say that, that you bring up a good point and it, something kind of clicked for me. And that's what I'm starting to see is that more of these companies are moving into this education sphere. Like it's, Every company now has this like education platform. Google just announced their, I think it was like their AI or their front end dev. They uh, Google announced a front end dev thing where you can get like a certificate. Um, I, I did something with Edge Impulse where I released a class with them on Coursera. It's that this kind of seems to be the new sphere. Whether it works or not, we'll see. But to me, that's this is kind of the new fad, right? All these companies are pushing educational content. It's like, oh, learn these concepts. By the way, you can use our tool. Um, as this new way to do it virtually online and they offer certificates for it. I mean, the IT world and cybersecurity world has been doing this forever and it's kind of like other tech companies are now catching up. So I, I don't know. I kind of see that maybe as a new new form of DevRel. Not sure. I mean, I'll, I'll shamelessly plug our way there, which is, uh, I'm not sure if you heard about Twilio Quest, which is literally a video game we're building. Um, that allows you to learn a lot of things. And some of that are Twilio products, but also uh, we're working on a Twilio Quest for Educators, which uh, allows people to bring this into, into their classrooms to teach. Uh, we have missions around JavaScript, getting started with JavaScript and Python and PHP, as well as how do you contribute to open source for the first time. And all of those are uh, you know missions that you can learn about. Um, so I definitely agree that it's an important um, component that if you can get it done, but it's also honestly much harder in early stages, in my opinion, but I'm not sure what Christine thinks about it. Yeah. I mean, I think it, this is sort of the question of what does your community want and where is your community hanging out? Like, you know, again, we have this very much the philosophy of like, you go to meet people where they are. You don't make them come to you necessarily. Like the, the, it's, this is about people and like, you have to build trust with people and you have to like, you know, show them who you are and it's, it's a whole thing. And if a community is really, truly interested in education and, and getting, you know, certified in whatever thing, then I think it's great to do that. Um, and I think if you're, if what you're seeing is like the community that you work with or the community that you're in would, would really love that. And that's the feedback you're getting, then like you should absolutely do that. You know, what we saw with Twilio Quest, what kind of came out of that, which is, that, you know, my understanding of how Twilio Quest evolved is very much that, um, you know, one of, uh, Kevin Winery at, at, at Twilio was, 
looking for ways to make workshops more interesting and that, you know, Twilio Quest came out of that, but evolved, but increasingly found its niche uh, among certain kinds of developers. And that, you know, increasingly what, what the Twilio Quest team does is they build for those developers. You know, they focus on the community on what the community is interested in on um, which Twilio Quest missions do well and what Twilio Quest missions they should make next. You know, it's a very, um, it is at every step uh, still a community driven effort. Like it's for, it is an educational effort, but it's still, it still has its heart in uh, people over things. Yeah, that's a really good point. And knowing, I guess it comes back to know your audience, who you're going after, know the community, be authentic. If educational content fits within that, go for it. Um, otherwise, if not, it's probably not the best action to take for DevRel. Okay, so I have to ask about this whole Twilio Insiders thing. <laughs> I feel like we were coming to that because uh, I feel like we were actually naturally coming to that because the the thing that we didn't talk about is like what the the aspect we we touch on this very briefly with forums like sometimes you'll hear people talk about forums as an essential part of community and it's like the the question of where does your community talk to each other and in the world of in person events this was actually a really big part of um, actually I feel like this is a big part of hackathons Sean like remember when we used to go to hackathons and like you would just see the same crew over and over again at the different hackathons remember when we used to go to like all the hardware yes. events and I'd be like oh hey it's Sean. Um, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. But like, you know, there's there's this aspect of um of where does your community talk to each other and how does your community find you? And and you know, in the digital, like now that we're transitioning even more to a digital era, you know, it's it's uh there's a lot of questions about how to establish that in a consistent way that's not necessarily in person because, you know, for various reasons, not just coronavirus, but also a lot of accessibility, you know, it's it can be very difficult for people to get there. So how do you create space? where people can come to you or where people can hear about cool things. Um, and there's a number of things that, that Twilio has, you know, we have like Twitter, we have Twilio quest has their own space. Like we have a sort of specialized area for startups. There's like a lot of, there's a lot of like uh, Twilio community spaces. We go out on Twitch. Um, but you know, the one that, that I think is like really cool. And I wanted to talk to you all about is, is something that Dom's doing. So I'm going to let Dom talk about it. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I've been, recently working more and more on developer advocacy efforts. And, uh, you know, I know we talked a lot about DevRel. Um, for us at Twilio, we kind of always made a distinction between developer advocacy and developer evangelism. Um, a lot of companies kind of just mush the two together and call, like use the terms interchangeably. For us, evangelism was always this outward-facing, more marketing-y side of, uh, you know, being part of an existing community and promoting Twilio. Um, so more outward facing versus, uh, you know, developer advocacy for us is more advocating on behalf of a developer inside the company. So being part of the, in our case, Twilio developer community and then advocating, making sure that their voices are heard inside the product teams, for example. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't do both. Um, but for us, it was always the like, what's your primary focus uh, so that you can choose activities? So I've been working more on developer advocacy recently. And one of the things uh, that basically um, Christine just touched upon is this, like, how can we bring these communities together, especially the community of uh people who are really passionate about developing with Twilio. And this is where I've been working on a program called Twilio Insiders, which is brand new. We're just building it up. Uh, we're in the early stages there. Uh, but it's a community of er uh, early adopters, people who are passionate about Twilio, who want to uh, 
basically built with Twilio as opposed to using Twilio, meaning we have product uh, as part of that. Everyone is under an NDA, so we can have an open conversation, uh, meaning product will tease things, provide early sneak previews and pilots so that you can test things out, give your feedback, uh, and really create a community of people who build together um, and create you know, something that they're all excited about. Uh, that's awesome. And is this something we can link to in the show notes? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll put, we'll put something up in the, in the show notes. Great. Yeah, by the time this episode goes live, hopefully we'll have that so people can go check it out. So I can see people definitely being interested in that. I mean, Twilio, I feel like, is part of the in- literal infrastructure of so many companies. And they have these development teams have entrusted Twilio to be that middle, that intermediary between them and their customers, you know, whether it's like ride sharing apps, like delivering location information to their customer or receipts for accounting or whatever. So, I mean, I, I can totally see Twilio being a brand that could pull this off. And I think that smaller companies should just follow along because I do think that even smaller companies do have these like core super fan customers that like would want to know more and figuring out. So I'll, I'll give a quick example. Uh, a client of mine, he, uh, his company, he, he's in the testing space and he's been pretty far ahead on things. And we had this meeting with a customer and he said, look, basically every time you develop some new testing technology, five years later, I'm using it at work. So can you tell me about what you're working on now? Because I'm probably going to be using it in five years. And, you know, there's these people who just really like see the need that you're solving and they just want to be a part of it. They want to understand, they want to adopt it. They want to give feedback. This sounds like a really good way to engage them, you know, that I would imagine like other brands couldn't pull this off. Uh, I know. I just think something that is interesting about this is that like, if you're serving developers as your primary audience, um, one thing that is easy to underestimate is they're still developers and they love solving problems. And you can either go the route of, you know, you giving them tools or really work with them to find the perfect tool for them. Um, because they off, they're, they're equally as creative as you, if not more creative. Um, and, you know, Taking that out of consideration, I think, is is a missed opportunity for businesses. Yeah, well, there, well, then there's there's also like plenty of examples of like B two C companies or like you're just contracting to government or something like that. Where like you don't need Devrel, right? You already have a customer, um, or or developers are not your your customers. Like you can still find some way to employ Devrel type activities, but they're not developers at that point it's a different type of activity it's like an early access program or something well one one of the things that i've seen in terms of devrel for companies who are not who don't have dev uh, developer offerings per se is around hiring um if you and again this goes just back to like pick your metrics correctly at that point but like i've definitely seen smaller companies who were very engaged in the community, either by running conferences or by running meetups or by, uh, you know, speaking at a lot of events that have seen an increase in their talent um, uh, because they 
they're out there in the community and that sparks interest. And again, if you're interacting authentically with them, uh, that just increases the likelihood that you will apply there. Um, so that's also a way to employ DevRel if you do not have a developer uh, product per se. That comes back to it's all about people. Like yeah. if you're trying to yeah. get good people and you don't seem to be a tech company, like let's say you're Walmart. Hey, go to hackathons. Maybe you'll attract people to work there. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, I think in the in the question of so so kind of the the question that you're asking is like what should a company that is super small do to as as that company or that individual considers developer relations? Yeah, like like if you're a one person shop and you have to split your time between manufacturing support developing new products, whatever. And you're like, how, how do I have time for this DevRel thing? Like, what can somebody do uh, that's that's a good start for them? Yeah. And I mean, I, I like to go back to um, Umbreen's advice on this, uh, which is like, if your developer, if you are in your developer audience, um, you know, you are, you are the first developer relations person. You know, you are the person who understands, like you can, you can go with some of your instincts. Um, if you are not in your developer relations audience, then you need uh, what in medicine we call a cultural broker. You need somebody, not necessarily a full DevRel person, uh, maybe somebody that you you contract or somebody who can help you with this otherwise. Like you need someone to help you understand the community and the culture that that you are working with and the people you are working with. Um, you need to listen a lot. At, at a minimum, you need to listen a lot and be open and not think that you have all the answers and um, focus on the people side of things. I think that when you do that, it helps a lot to have a bit of a tour guide, to have somebody who, who is a part of that community who can help you. But, you know, if not at a minimum, definitely listen and be open to uh, the fact that it's not a market. It's a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. And that goes back to a previous uh guest we had on um, where they talked about public building and the idea of, of sharing what you're working on. And if you're doing that in a space with other developers, you're already doing DevRel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was about to actually say exactly that in terms of if you are a person of one and you are technical, blogging is a great way to get started. Uh, document what you're doing, even if it's not like if you're secretive about the actual product you're building, um, one thing that I absolutely love that one of my ex-colleagues and good friend does, Stefan Yudis, he is a big, uh, big uh, proponent of today I learned posts. Anything he encounters that he has no had no idea about before, he writes a like few paragraph long blog post, quickly shoots it out, and then publishes that. And like they get a lot of attention. Um, because they're really helpful. A lot of those things are people, uh, things that I'm looking at like, yeah, I never heard about that. That's awesome. Um, and so that, I think that's a great way, like to, to do DevRel that doesn't actually take much time. Um, but will ultimately create awareness for you because if you're hosting that on a company blog, People are on your domain. People are on your website already. That's the hardest thing to do. So if you're if you can bring people on there through content, like if you look at the Twilio blog, we we still publish a lot of things that have nothing to do with Twilio. Um, like one of my most popular blog posts teaches you how to set up environment variables. Um, like 
And it's purely because I always had to look that up and explain it to people. So I created content about it. Um, and so I think that's a great way to do DevRel if you cannot, um, you know, if, you, if you're a person of one or two. Yeah, that's a really good point. So I, I hope that is helpful to everyone out there who is considering starting or has a small company. It's like, oh, this is just another thing I have to take on. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe not. You know, maybe maybe you can integrate it or the people you're already talking to, you're already doing DevRel and just frame it like that. That's a double-edged sword too. And you don't have to pay for a travel. Oh, that's, that's true too. But remember that you're already doing DevRel as a double-edged sword. Everything, if you are a company of one and you are the, the developer relations person, like everything you do is DevRel. That means everything you do is sculpting your company's brand among developers, building the community you want or do not want with your developers. Like it's worth being aware of that as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. Christine and Dom, this has been utterly an enlightening for me. So thank you so much for coming on. I learned a bunch about DevRel. I've I've never technically been a DevRel person, but I've interacted with enough DevRel people and have kind of played that part back in my days at SparkFun. So I learned a ton from both of you. So thank you. And I hope this helps anybody else out there who likes DevRel, does DevRel, or looking to integrate DevRel stuff into their activities. So thank thank you to both of you. Thank you for having yeah, thanks us. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and share the show. Let us know what you think on Twitter at Hello Blink Show. Find show notes at HelloBlinkShow.com. The Hello Blink Show is shared under a CC BY 4.0 license by Skalriza LLC and Kenny Consulting Group LLC. The intro and outro music is Routine by Amin Maxwell and is shared under a CC BY 3.0 license. This song can be found at soundcloud.com slash Amin Maxwell slash routine.